Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good? Good Good to see everybody. <laughs> Pat, thanks for that, Pat. <laughs> oh, goodness. It's good to see everybody here today. Um, just very excited to just kick off the 2019 year with a brand new sermon series entitled Expectancy. And look at this awesome photo here. Isn't that great? That's a half of the picture. The other half of the picture is just as pretty, but you can't see it yet. Um, uh, so we're going to be looking forward to seeing that and uh, expecting to see uh, the other half of the picture. That's what the, uh, the title is for the sermon series. And I'm very excited to kick it off with you guys. I'm excited to do the entire series, the sermon series this time. And uh, so that's going to be really, really cool. Excited about that. Um, so uh, before we jump in, I do just want to say that I have uh, some things that I would like for us to learn and pick up through this next four weeks. Um, some things that... Um, uh, you know, I want to impart and have you guys remember, you know, there's always at least one major point that I want you guys to take home um, that may change your life or help change another's life or something. Try to have that point at least. Um, but before I do that, I'd like to explain the, uh, the title here, uh, Expectancy. In a, one of our leadership meetings this year, Dreaming About 2019, Pastor Ben came up with the term, excellence. Well, he didn't come up with that term, but he, he stated the term excellence is what he wanted to see in 2019 from Bethesda. And so, like last year, we did Reja Vu, if you guys remember, Leslie made the song and everything it was beautiful and, and just a lot of really cool things, but we did like refocus, revision, you know, repurpose, things like that. Um, and this year, we'll be doing similar things. You'll see a lot of the sermon titles, a lot of the sermon series We'll start with EX, X, excellence, expectancy, things like that. So th that's what we're going. There's a theme that we're going at. And we expect to see excellence this year. We want to see God move and do excellent things in Bethesda this year. And we've already started off with our fast. I'm telling you, my stomach is an absolute mess. I mean, it's just cramping really bad. I don't know what's going on. Greg said I was going through withdrawals or something. So maybe I'm going through sugar and bread withdrawals or something. But, um, you know, like... Uh, I was telling this morning, last year and the year before, when we first did the, the Daniel fast, I was so legalistic about the Daniel fast that I completely lost focus of what I should be doing, which is drawing closer to God and praying and, and fasting and asking God to change my life and change things in Bethesda, make Bethesda a great church and its community. And I lost focus of that because I was thinking so hard about the foods that I could eat, what I couldn't eat, and I'll just be honest, I... A lot of times, I wouldn't even pray. Like I would, <laughs> I just completely forgot. Like it became this this task that I had to do. And this year, I'm not doing that. This year, I'm just I'm focusing on Jesus first, focusing on God first. I encourage you guys to do the same. Don't get so caught up in your fast that you forget why you're fasting, um, because if you do that, then the whole point is moot anyway. It's not even going to do anything for you. So I encourage you guys to stay focused on what the goal is, which is to grow closer to Jesus and help Bethesda be the best church and the most excellent church it could possibly be. So uh, just do the very best you can and try really hard, and God will honor your fast, I promise, and he will do things in your life and in this church that you never thought would be possible. I promise you that. I promise you that. So the four things I'd like you guys to learn, if you guys are note takers, some of you may not be, you don't have to take notes, it's not a big deal. Um, but the four things I would like to impart upon you um, during this sermon series is, number one, expect to be a work in progress. Expect to be a work in progress. 
Nobody, there's not a quick fix for our sinful nature overnight. It's just not going to happen. You know, a lot of times we get caught up in a thought process that tells us once we become saved, we stop doing this, we stop doing this, I'm not doing this anymore. And then after a while, we slip up, and then we lose faith, we lose hope, we lose heart, and we go back into our same old lives instead of running back to God. But just expect to be a work in progress. Expect God to work on you. Number two, expect to mess things up. It's going to happen. You have to expect that. I'm not saying go out and mess up on purpose. I'm saying that we are human. We have human tendencies. We have human nature, human mind and heart. We have human desires, and we're going to mess up. It just happens that way. It's unfortunate. I don't like it, but that's just the way it is. So expect to mess things up. You know, even Paul said in Romans 7 that he is a miserable, wretched person. Who could save someone like him? You know, and the answer is Jesus, because... You know, even though we are extremely messed up and extremely flawed, God is perfect, and we serve a God who's perfect and who continuously works on us daily. Expect to be a work in progress and expect to mess things up. And number three, expect God to illuminate your path and show you the next steps. God will absolutely show you what you are supposed to do. I believe that 100%. I believe that God has a plan for us. I believe that he has a, a purpose for each and every person in this building right now. Each and every person who attends Bethesda has a calling and a purpose on their life. And whatever that is, we need to do it to our most excellent ability. Okay? We need to do it to excellence. And God has that for you. I expect to see that. I expect God to show me what he needs me to do. And number four, expect the unexpected. A lot of times you don't know what to expect. God is going to have things happen in your life that you won't understand, that won't make any sense. You won't be able to see the other half of the picture but God will absolutely, at some point, he will start to show you little snippets, little tidbits, little frames of the rest of the photo. And you will know that God is working things to your good. And so I'm excited to jump in to this week's sermon, which is covering the first one, expecting God to change your spirit. Does anybody remember what Pastor Ben always says our spirit is made of? Does anybody remember it's three things? It's our mind, our will, and our emotions. Our mind, will, and emotions. That's the things that our spirit man is made up of. That's what Pastor Ben teaches us, and I believe that as well. And, uh, and I, I believe that our, whenever God begins to do a sanctifying process, which is a lifelong process, I believe that he starts to change your mind, he starts to change your will, and he starts to change your emotions slowly. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not going to happen overnight. Don't lose heart when it doesn't happen overnight. It's going to be a slow process, and you'll begin to see that. But before we jump into today's sermon, I have, <laughs> I told this at uh, Vanceburg as well, but, and Albie's like, don't tell it again, all right? Just don't do it, but I'm going to anyway, because it's a terrible joke. I'm not a joke teller, all right? I'm just not that type of person, and, but I was looking up jokes, I promise. I was trying to find a really good joke for you guys. A lot of them aren't appropriate that you look up on the internet. You just can't tell them in church. You're like, oh, no, I can't tell that, but then, you know, I was just, Trying to find one. I couldn't find one. Albie's always telling me these really corny jokes. Has Albie ever told you guys corny jokes? She, you know, ever read the Laffy Taffy jokes? That's Albie's sense of humor right there, okay? That's where she lives. And uh, so she came into the office last night, and she said, I said, tell me a joke real quick so I can tell them a joke and segue or whatever. And she was like, well, okay, instead of just, like, telling me a joke that has already been a joke, she tried to make up her own joke. <laughs> so, um, and I'm going to tell you that joke because it's so horrible that it's funny that it's so bad. All right, so you guys ready? 
All right, why did the cow jump in the tree? Brandon's already laughing. He can't handle it. Why did the cow jump in the tree? It didn't, you morons. Cows can't jump in trees. Mm, how bad is that? That's awful. <laughs> that's bad. But hey, that's my wife's sense of humor right there, all right? You morons. All right? Get. Oh, jeez. All right. Anyway, good segue. Good segue. All right, so Bible verse. Let's stand and we'll read today's Bible verse today. Ezekiel 36, verse 26 and 27 says this, And I will give you a new heart, and I will put a new spirit in you. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart and give you a tender, responsive heart. I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. Let's pray. Father God, thank you for this awesome church. Thank you for amazing friends and family, God, who make up this beautiful building and this beautiful church here. Father, we are so grateful for the blessings that you've given us in our lives and for the things that you're going to do in 2019. Father, we're excited to see your work and what you're going to do and how you're going to do it and just how you, you unravel things here in 2019. We're excited to see that. And I just want this year to be a year of just absolute excellence from us, that we would give everything that we can to you, God, that way we could be blameless and we could be clean before you and righteous. And Father, just help us to give back to you in 2019. We love you and we thank you. We ask that you open our minds and our hearts to this sermon, God, and to the message that you're about to give to these people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Excuse me. Point number one, sanctification, expecting God to change your will. Expecting God to change your will. Verse 27 states, I will put my spirit in you so that you will follow my decrees and be careful to obey my regulations. That's exchanging your will for God's will. That's God taking his spirit, putting it inside of you so that you will have a new mindset, pretty much. So that your will no longer is what you want to do, no matter what you know a lot of times god i feel like the spirit impresses on us to do things i don't know if anybody else has that feeling like i just felt like the spirit was leading me to say this or i just kind of felt like the spirit was telling me to pray for you or send you a message or you know just those types of things and there's sometimes when god impresses a feeling on me that is not my will and i don't want to do it and if we're honest a lot of times that's what happens to all of us we all have our own will and I just want to be doing what I want to be doing. I want to be focused on what I want to be focused on. And that's just who I am as a human being. But there's a part in me that wants to have God's will, which is his spirit in me, okay, that wants to do his will. And there's a constant battle between those two things. And so I'm so thankful that God says that he's going to put his spirit in me and that he's going to give me a new will. <clears throat> because my will for my life and the example I gave at Vanceburg was whenever I lost my job at American Savings Bank. They told us in October, you're going to be you know, losing your job, uh, be looking for a new one. So I immediately began to look for a new job. 
<clears throat> my will was to find one immediately because I like stability. I didn't want to wait around for the severance package. It wasn't going to be that good anyway. So I didn't, I was like, I don't want to deal with any of that. I just want to go ahead and get a new job and start it and be secure, be stable. That's what I want in my life. So I start looking <clears throat> and God's will for my life was totally different. See, God took me on a six month, it was almost six months to the date, a six month journey of like job tour interviews that was just ridiculous. I went to at least, at least 10 different job interviews, at least 10. I know I'd interviewed several times for the same position, a lot of different businesses, and just interviewed, 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 interviewed. And at the end of the six months, I promise you, I was looking at Albie and I looked at her and I said, I can't handle another rejection. Like I just, I can't do another rejection. There's no way in this world if I hear someone else say, we don't want you, or if I go to an interview and I feel like it went really well and I'm excited and then I never hear a call back, I just can't, I can't deal with that anymore. But I was on this journey and I couldn't see what God was doing. I didn't have any clue about any, you know, my, my will was different than God's will completely. And so he takes me on this six month journey and the way he unraveled this whole thing was really actually amazing and quite, you know, fantastic for my life and worked out really perfect. Because on April 2nd, the job at American Savings was ending on April 13th, which was Friday the 13th, by the way. You know, what a terrible day, right? <laughs> but it was ending on April 13th. And April 2nd, I get a call from the counseling center, and they tell me, hey, you're gonna, we need to interview you for the emergency services specialist position, which sounds a lot cooler than really what it is. And I was like, hey, that sounds really good. But, you know, at this point, I'm just so down – just, ugh, just down about the whole thing, don't want to interview anymore, having these feelings of just dread. <coughs> and so I'm just like, all right, yeah, I'll come. Let's set it up for a day that I'm already at work. We'll do it at lunchtime. I can just leave work and go and do it and whatever. So I go. I'm not excited about it, I, but I put on my, you know, my, my shirt and my tie and you know, get all spiffed up as much as I can anyway. And I went to the interview, and it was amazing. God had them offer me the position on the spot which had never happened to me before in my life. I'd never been offered a position right like right in the interview. And not only did I get the position, but they're like, hey, we need to drug test you, we need to TB test you, and we need to get your background check today because we need you to start as soon as you can. I was like, what? What in the world? So anyway, so all this happens within an hour after you know the interview process. And I get finally get back to work. I'm sitting in my office, and I'm like, what in the world just happened? <laughs> I'm sitting there and just disbelief because it happened so quick I accepted a job I knew hardly nothing about and it was night shift let me tell you night shift is not my will all right I didn't want to do that and a lot of you know that because I was very vocal about that and frankly a baby about it I didn't want to work night shift all right I didn't like that but you know sometimes you have to do what you don't want to do but that wasn't my will I, I didn't know what was going on I had no idea but he worked it out so perfectly even that when my job ended on April 13th my job at the counseling center started on April 16th. So I had the weekend, like nothing ever happened, didn't miss a beat. I got to get the severance package that they offered. And then I also got to have a new job. Like it worked out perfectly the way God wanted it to work out. But my will was now. And how often do we get caught up in our will to where we want things our way when we want them? At this moment, right now, God, I have to have it. We get caught up in that. And it's easy to do. I do it all the time, and I, 
I admit, I did at that time too, because that's just who I am as a person. So we get caught up, but man, my will, God's will, totally two different things, but God's will worked out so much better. And even though I was working night shift, and for, so for the next six months to the date, actually on this one, six months to the date later, he takes me on another journey of growth and trainings and learning, just growing myself, getting certifications and licensures and things like that to where I was able to become a licensed chemical dependency counselor, and now I'm able to be a counselor. And so I start ap applying to different positions within the counseling center, and he gives me another job that's perfect for my schedule. It's working nine to five, which now I just work whatever I want. I come in whenever I want, leave when I want. And um, it's just amazing. I get to work with people every single day who are addicts, who the society has said is, who is written off pretty much. People who say they have no hope, they can't be helped, they won't be helped. Um, they're always gonna be bad, they're always gonna be an addict. Um, I get to influence those people and counsel those people on a daily basis now, and I never would have been able to do anything like that if I'd stayed at American Savings. And I would have, because I'm a creature of habit, and I get caught up in ruts. That's just who I am as a person. And so I wouldn't have left American Savings, the comfort of that, but God had to take me, and he put me on a year's journey of growth, of learning, of patience, of losing hope, and just depending solely upon Jesus and his will at the end of this whole 12-month period has been so much more perfect than anything I could have planned out in my time. I promise you, I couldn't have planned it out any better. And I'm excited about where I'm at. I'm not saying that I'm going to be here forever. I'm not saying that God's not done working on me and done doing things. Who knows, I could lose my job tomorrow, but it doesn't matter because I know that God's going to work things out because his will is better than my will. And so what I want to let you guys know today is that God will change your will. He will let you see slowly throughout your Christianity Amen. that he is in control. He is much better at planning your life than you ever will be. And so be, have encouragement knowing that God is going to have his will for your life and that it's going to be much better than what your will for your life is. Point number two is expecting God to change your mind. Expecting God to change your mind. You see, during the process of, of changing my will, God was also beginning to change my mind. Because when I worked at the crisis center, I got to meet a lot of people that I'd never met before, the type of people anyway. Addicts, mental health patients, people who were, were literally crazy, you know, just like very, very off the walls, de excuse me, depressed people, just people who, like I said before, society had written off. And I had had a mindset about addicts growing up in my in Garrison, where you see a lot of addicts here. Um, I had grown up with a mindset that just says, you know, I was just like everyone else. Write them off. They made their bed. They have to sleep in it. They chose to become an addict. And while that is true, they did choose to initially use drugs. They didn't choose to become an addict. They didn't choose to want, they didn't want to shoot heroin in their arm every single day. That's not something that they woke up one day and said, here we go, I'm just gonna do it. <laughs> like, most people that you talk to, most addicts say, I never thought I would ever use a needle to get high, ever. I always said that's the one thing I would never do. And they always, it's just amazing the stories that you hear. And about, I would say, roughly 86% of the people that I've interviewed, these addicts have had terrible, awful, 
terrible childhoods, either child molestation, um, child abuse, such as just being hit by parents, grandparents, uncles, even cousins. I've heard cousins uh, molesting and, and beating up on other cousins and just, uh, just terrible things that you would never, ever imagine possible. And I'm sitting there across from these people every day and listening to their stories and thinking to myself, oh my God, this could have been me at any moment. Like, this could have been my life if God hadn't had his hand on me. And, and if this was, what would I be like in, that, in their position? Well, how would I have reacted? Would I have turned to drugs? Would I have went that route? What would I have done if I was in their shoes? And I promise you, you'll never know until something like that happens. So God begins to change my mind. He begins to make me see the addict and, and the person inside the addict, the person who really, truly wants change but can't change because their mind has been altered and molded into believing that every day I have to get this fix. I have to get this fixed every single day. That's how they think. And even, like, whenever they first started off, they started using alcohol, you know, smoking pot on the weekends with their friends. That's how most of them started. I've only talked to one addict, actually, who started just using straight heroin to begin with. You know, none of them wanted to, you know, go on meth benders and all this different stuff, but, um, you know, they started off somewhere, and it all started off with alcohol and pot, always. <laughs> and they say, you know, well, pot's not a gateway drug. Is it not? I don't know. I, don't, I can't say yes or no to that, but I can tell you that every single person that I've interviewed and assessed in the past six months has started off smoking pot and drinking alcohol. That's just how it always begins. And so, I mean, I can't say one way or the other, but I don't want to trade shoes with these people. I don't want to be an addict. I don't want to be in that moment, and we're all addicted to something, but I don't want to be waking up and thinking I have to get well because it's not get high anymore. It's I'm sick. I need to get well. That's what they call it, get well. Instead <coughs> of getting high, we all think, oh, let's go get our fix. No, they say let's go get well because they don't want to be sick anymore. That's why they always are continuously going after their next fix, is they don't want to be sick. God says in Romans 12, 2, where Paul says that um, we should be transformed by the renewing of our mind. And I'm so thankful that God took my mind from a mindset of thinking an addict can never change and to a place where they're just saying they need love and they need encouragement and they need someone to come along beside them and they need someone who is going to encourage them and give them hope when they don't have hope. Nobody's ever given them hope. Their lives have been so miserable that they don't have hope, Ernie. They just don't have any of it. And so I, God has changed my mind into that, and I'm so thankful that he does a sanctification process where my mind is continuously changing. And so that's happening to you guys as well. People who have given their life to Jesus, your mind will continuously change and transform and mold into what God wants it to be. And I think back constantly to Pastor Ben's first sermon that he preaches about sometimes, and he says his grandma came up to him at the end of the sermon and said, Ben, keep an open mind. Keep an open mind. What a profound statement that I believe was straight from God to Ben and then to us, and now to you again <laughs> through me. Keep an open mind. Don't allow your mind to become so hardened and so set in its ways and set in your thinking that you don't allow God to change it and become responsive to what he's trying to say to you. Point number three is expect God to change your emotions. Expect God to change your emotions. Verse 26, I will give you a new heart. I will take out your stony, stubborn heart 
and give you a tender, responsive heart. I thank God for this verse. And every time I read this verse, I just I feel such encouragement and hope in my life. Because my heart, I, I don't know if anybody else is like this, but my heart becomes hardened really quickly. And I find that it's getting softer as God is working on me, but my heart hardens up really quick. Like I shut people out of my life. If they hurt me, I'm done. And I just I I know it's a psychological issue that I have to continuously work and, and try to and try to you know it's it's really tough I promise I, so pray for me I, I need your help on this but my heart man I I'm easy to just push people away it's easy for me to block emotions like I just don't deal with them like just whatever I don't want to deal with that it's not healthy it's not good for me and and mom actually always tells a story when I was a little kid she would say that I was in the doctor's office and. I was getting some shots, and for some reason they had to give me a lot of shots. This, I don't know why, but I was a little kid, and I, I guess at this point in my life I wasn't showing emotion hardly at all. wasn't crying a lot. wasn't you know screaming, crying, and they're giving me the shots. And mom said around the fifth shot I started shaking, like <coughs> getting red and shaking. And then on the very last shot that they gave me, I just passed out because I had held in all this emotion. And all this pain, all these things, I just held it in and tried to fight it that I just so much that I just pass out. And the doctor actually told mom, if you don't teach him to let go of emotion, to begin to cry, to begin to scream, to begin to let some of this stuff out, he's going to die by the age of 20. He's just, it's not, he's not going to live past that because he's already exhibiting these types of symptoms where he's passing out. And so I was already in this stage, and it's something that has gotten better, but it's something that is not quite fixed yet. I still have a stony heart. I still have a heart that hardens. I still have trouble showing emotions. And so when I do show emotions, it's like a huge relief for me. But I just, whenever I read this verse, I just have such encouragement and such hope that, man, God is going to change me. He's going to make my heart soft. He's going to make my heart responsive. He's going to make me love others the way that I deserve to be loved. He's going to make me look at others the way God looks at me. And he says, you need a second chance. You need hope. You need encouragement. You need love. And you need all these different things. And now I can look at others and say that same thing. It's encouraging to me, and this should be encouraging to you to know that even though you have a maybe a stubborn heart, or a stony heart, or something going on in your heart issue. Maybe you don't let go of emotion well. Maybe you can't forgive for something that someone's done, or, or maybe you just, you're holding on to everything. God, in his sanctification process, will begin to give you a new heart. Isn't that encouraging to know that God cares about you so much that he wants to give you something that's going to allow you to have freedom and peace and, and calmness and something that's going to bring you, you know, emotional peace. And that's an amazing thing through an, a, a sanctification process that God changes our mind. He changes our will. He changes our emotions. And he makes us feel loved when we're not lovable. He makes us feel encouraged when we shouldn't be encouraged. And he gives us grace when we don't deserve grace. And he tells us, because I've given this to you, go give to others. Because I've bestowed these things upon you, bestow them upon others. And so I'm so thankful today for this verse here in Ezekiel that says we will become a responsive people. Responsive. It means that when God speaks, we hear. 
And not only do we hear, but we do. So I want us to focus in 2019, I want us to be a church who not only hears from God, but a church that responds to God's call, a church that moves when God tells us to move, a church that says when God tells us to say things, you know, a church that is in the right position, that's doing the right things, a church that is responsive to his word, his will, his emotions, and everything that he has for us that we would respond out of love and out of truth. And we can do that as a church. We absolutely can. And I'm expecting that. I expect to see amazing things. I expect to see Bethesda grow spiritually and emotionally and physically. And I expect to see our will begin to change more towards God's will instead of our will. I expect to see this. And I expect God to do great and amazing things in this next year. I would ask you guys to stand with me today. And I just really, I really want to encourage you. I do. I, I believe that God has amazing things in store. But, you know, I look around, I see some younger Christians, I see some older Christians, I see some, you know, all different stages here. And it doesn't matter what stage you're in, if you've been a Christian for 30 years, you've been a Christian for one or two or six months or three months or two or three weeks, don't matter. All of us need encouragement. All of us need to know that God is not done with you yet because we go through seasons, we go through valleys. We go through times in life where we're really high and God is really moving and God is doing amazing things and then we go through lulls where we can't see God working, where we don't know that he's still doing things in our life and we feel like, well, God's forgotten about me. You know, I'm dried up here. There's nothing going on. We all need to know that even in those low moments, God is still working for your good. He's still moving in your favor. I promise you, he has not forgotten about any of us here. He's not forgotten about you, and he won't, okay? He will continuously sanctify you throughout your Christianity life. He will continuously begin to change your will, your mind, and your emotions. But here's what you have to do. You have to be responsive to him. You have to be open to that process. You can't go in with a stony heart and say, God, I'm not changing. You can't go in with a stubborn mind and say, God, I'm not changing. I'm not doing that. I'm not going to have your will. I'm not going to do things your way. I'm going to do it my way. And in that case, you're going to continuously feel like God's not working with you because he can't if you're not responsive to him. So what we need to do, and what I encourage you to do, and over this next four weeks, I really want this to be our prayer. If everybody will bow their head and close their eyes, and just repeat this prayer after me. Give me a new heart. Take out my stony, stubborn heart. And give me a tender, responsive heart. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. And Father God, I love you so much. I'm so grateful for this platform. I'm thankful, God, for the message that you've given me, God. I thank you for sanctification. God, I thank you for your will. I thank you for renewing our hearts, God, and renewing our emotions. God, helping us to show people that we care and, and helping us to reach out to others who are in need, God. So, Father, we, we thank you so much, and we expect great things, and we expect you to show us the other half of the picture, God. We, we're expecting so many awesome things from you. We love you, Lord, and we thank you for your great blessings. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.